This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to Green and White, brought to you by Argyle Live. We decided to end our hiatus to jump on for a big summer recap. Unfortunately, not much has happened since we last recorded. The fixtures have been released. We've plowed through pre-season. We've managed to leak both kits on social media, seen players depart, brought in a centre-back who turned down European football on a free, extended Randall's contract. Schumacher's decided to change shape and formation that won us 101 points last season. And to top it off, We've smashed our transfer record and then matched it in the space of a week. It all begs the question, who are you and what have you done with our football club? Cancelling their summer holidays to be with me this week are international jet setter John Alsop. How are you? Aaron, how's it going? Um, I'm doing very well. Uh, I actually have a, a quiz question for the group. I know the quiz was our last episode. Um, but I wanted to ask the group, uh, who said this on July 11th? People realise how horrifically behind we are. I'm officially in disaster territory now with signings. For such a generally well-run club, no excuse for this total failure in preparation. Uh, I think it was somebody who'd come off a long shift at work and was feeling quite ratty. That's the only thing I can possibly say that might have been somebody who just snapped a little bit and um, overreacted, maybe. And it was somebody... It was somebody who definitely said it before we brought in Mumbra and Whitaker as well. Yeah, just two months after the greatest season we've ever had. Well, even if it was a genuine disaster, it still wouldn't stop it being the greatest season we've ever had. That, the, the two don't necessarily logically contradict. Why but... are you saying it then? Well, I, I like I said, it was a bit of an overreaction. I, I still think that we're, we've got a lot of work to do to bring bring players in in time for the season, and we're, we're still. You know, probably a little bit behind where most squads are, but hey, when we when we bring in players with the caliber of Lundgren Whitaker, that's fantastic. The, the sun kissed Joe Bell. How's things? Sun kissed. That's very nice. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, it's pleasure to be back for another season. Um, I can't wait to spend the whole winter ranting about referees and defending Ryan Hardy towards the Green Army. The last minute deal, Dan Ellard. Definitely not sun-kissed, but... All-inclusive Sam Down. 
All good? Yeah, I thought I'd already done my intro, but I realised I just butted in on John's one. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Very good. We're used to that. Thank I've usually got all of these questions in a chronological order as best as I could remember them. And then I just scrambled them up anyway. So before we talk about all the positives, shall we briefly discuss the departures? Um, obviously, unless you've been living under a rock, you'll know that Niall Ennis has agreed a multi-year deal at Blackburn Rovers. Uh, we'll start with Sam, seeing as he wanted to, um, he's eager to talk. Uh, not wanting to start too much of a negative, but how much of a loss is Niall Ennis? And how, how do you think we replace him? I do think he is a, he is a big loss. Um, he was an absolutely fantastic player for us when he was fit last season. Um, I think if only he'd have been fit a little bit, you know, a little bit longer, then we, then we probably could have, could have, could have broken Reading's all-time points record, never mind um, never mind past 100 points. I think, I think he was that good a player when he was fit. Um, I think Blackburn have gotten... Well, like I said, when I went on the Blackburn pod and... Um, Got some interesting reviews in the comments, but that's another matter. I went on the Blackburn podcast and said that Niall Ellis um, was a was, was a fantastic player, but they need to be careful of his fitness. So we might get somebody who's more obviously, you know, we're clearly going to bring in at least one more striker. Um, we might get somebody who's a bit more regularly fit than Niall Ellis, but whether we'll get someone who's as good on his day is is another matter. Um, and I think right now we are lacking someone who can do it. Obviously, Hardy's. Um, but when he gets on a hot run of scoring, can be fantastic. But I don't think he quite has that ability just to take the ball down, bring other players into the game and create. So, yeah, uh, big loss, but obviously, hopefully, we'll replace him well. Ben Wayne Erasure. Yeah, the, the golden retriever. Um, look, Ben Wayne could, could well come good, but even if he does come good, I think he's going to come good in a, in a hardy style where he's a, a terrier who, who gets goals and who has a rapid turn of pace in the counter-attack. I don't think he's going to be somebody who... He's signed for Huddersfield, is he? Yeah. Can't be a Terrier and a Retriever, surely. That was... was, Yeah, you know, it's very much mixing my metaphors there, John. You're quite right. But he's... um, He he would be of the Hardy type rather than of the Ennis type if he does do well, I think. Dan, James Wilson opting not to extend his contract and joining Bristol Rovers. Do you think that's the correct decision for all parties, despite losing his experience? Um, he would have been a useful player to, I think, have around the squad um, this season. Probably not as a as a first choice starter, um, either at right centre back if we play a back four, or uh, kind of wideish centre back uh, if we played a back three. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. It's it's a shame to see him go. I thought he was really good uh, over the course of his two seasons with us, um, and as probably uh, as he gets a bit older and loses a bit more pace, probably decent middle centre-back cover uh, to Dan Scar should we play back three um, this season, but I'm, I'm not devastated to see him go, just kind of, you know, it's, leaves on probably good terms with, you know, two good years with us under his belt and hopefully, um, well, I say hopefully he does well at Bristol Rovers. I'm not the most likeable club at the minute, are they, with uh, their manager and the player they've recently signed? Um, but, you know, they wish him all the best anyway, on a personal level. Yeah, I think that's it. I think didn't want him to stay a, around long enough to become a villain. But obviously, Wilson's replacement has come in the form of Spanish centre-back Julio Pleguazelo. And I have hey, well done. I've been practising that one. Uh, who obviously uh, apparently turned down a, a contract extension at 20. They're playing in the Europa Conference League this season, so that's a big statement of intent. How excited are you about Julio? Uh, John, 
Uh, I am very excited about Julio, maybe not as much as my girlfriend, who is delighted to see a Spaniard signing for um, Plymouth Argyle for the first time. Uh, I think this is based on some kind of childhood crush on Iker Casillas more than... Like, she, she's not Spanish or anything, to be clear. Um, no, I thought it was a, a really, really good signing when he came in. Um, I think we had... Well, I think I think the incoming came on came on our girls' um, Twitter page, and obviously there was quite a lot of um, had been quite a lot of speculation to that point about various names. He was the first signing of the window, and, and obviously was someone that had not I not really been linked with us at all uh, in the rumor mill. Um, and I, I you know I absolutely admit I think like probably most fans I had to look him up uh, when when his name was announced, but um, pretty clear immediately that he has really really good pedigree as you mentioned, has, has turned down the prospect of European football, albeit in a competition most recently won by West Ham, uh, to um, come down to play for us. Um, and yeah, it seems to have a lot of really good attributes. And, and I think for me, it was it was quite a nice moment. You know, we all, we all see those videos of players, highlight reels circulating on social media whenever they move clubs. Um, and, and I think it really sort of hit home that we are now in the championship to see that highlight reel featuring a player striding out of defense against Ajax rather than someone nutmegging someone or kicking the ball out of play with a tackle at the Pirelli stadium. You know, it was, um, it, it was kind of a nice moment that sort of brought it home, that, you know, the level we're at, that we, that we can be competitive for that type of player. Um, and yeah, and again, as much as I don't know a ton about him, you know, some of the people who follow these things more closely suggesting on, on social media that, you know, it was a real coup for us. So yeah, a great statement of intent to start off the, the summer of signings, I would say. It's actually a real surprise to me that he's our first Spanish signing, seeing as we've had the uh, the Brittany Ferry link to Santander for quite some time. So um, interesting that he's uh, numero uno. But whilst we're on defensive reinforcements, Argyle have also announced the signing of Lewis Gibson. Uh, Joe, I'll come to you on this one, because you seem pretty excited by his arrival on our summer deep dive with Gab Sutton. Talk us through why that is and what he brings to this squad. The summer deep dive that's available with Gab Sutton still on social media, I believe, for anyone who hasn't yet seen it, it is a, a fantastic watch where Aaron contributes tremendously. Um, yes, Lewis Gibson. Um, <laughs> very, very good player last year for Bristol Rovers. Um, remember him more for the away game, naturally, than the home game. Um, but put in a very good performance against us. Um you know, if you go via the data um, that obviously the football club used, then Gibson was one of Bristol Rovers' high-performing players on the defensive data, um, which obviously is matched up against the, the matrix that they use. So from what I've seen of him in the couple of performances against uh, Parkway, Torquay, and even um, bits on uh, Argyle TV from today's game, um, you know, he looks a very comfortable player on the ball. Um, he looks very solid, very confident. Um, yeah, I think he's, I mean, let's be fair, these left sided ball playing centre halves are pretty difficult to come by. And we've got two of them in the squad now in the shape of Macker and, and Gibbo. So, um, yeah, good signing, very happy. Um, obviously, the, the proof will be. Through the, as the season progresses in the championship, when the opposition gets tougher than Parkway, Torquay, and Forest Green. But um, yeah, from what I've seen and from what I remember from last year at the Mem, he's a he's a player that I think will slot into our back three very well. 
Or back four, well, back four, who knows? I was going to say we've got a third one in Galloway, if only you could ever stay fit, but we, we do have a third one technically as well. Um, yeah, I was kind of thinking thinking back to those two games. I couldn't really remember which individual Rovers players did, did or didn't play too well, but thinking back at it, although we scored three goals across those two games, they're three of the best goals you'll, you'll probably see in a number of years watching our goals, so they, they didn't really allow us um, like that many clear-cut chances in the away game. In the home game, we certainly did have a lot of chances, but you know, there was there was some good last ditch defending. So yeah, my memory of it isn't too clear. But I, I think, but you know, most Mr. Rovers fans will say that he was a very good player for them last season. I think it's only due to um, Aaron Collins being one of the best players in the league that that Gibson didn't win the Rovers Player of the Season. So I think he's a promising um, promising player to have brought in for sure. Um, to be honest with you, of, of the pre-season friendlies, today's on the stream. It's the only one I've watched. I've actually not watched any of the, the other up to now. But yeah, he had some good moments today. He had a bit of a mix-up with with Scar in truth for the goal, but it was probably more, more Scar's mistake than his of the two. Um, but yeah, he, he had some good moments as well. Read the game very well and played the ball out nicely from the back, which is what we want to see. Sam's, Sam's memory of Bristol Rovers game so unclear that he doesn't remember we scored four goals across them rather than three. Yes, we did indeed because I was confusing that and Burton. Yeah, well, that's not that's shows show how good my memory is of one of the best ever moments in our history. Yeah, of course there was the Gillespie header as well. Sure. Um, okay, well that one wasn't an absolute worldie then, but um, yeah, obviously that um, you know uh, the, the majority of, of the goals we scored were were absolute worldies and. Obviously, then we played them twice in the Pizza Cup as well, but who knows if he even played in those. Certainly not me. It might not have been a worldy goal, but at least it's a worldy player in uh, Macaulay Gillespie. And it's good to see, even yeah. though in a way, that John uh, hasn't changed, which is always good. Obviously, over the last few transfer windows, we've clearly identified the young, up-and-coming talent, signing them on permanent deals and securing any potential sell-on value. Dan, are you worried... Any worry about the current lack of experience in the squad so far? I know we've got a few weeks left, so no need to panic. Um, it's, it's very difficult to say, like you say, with a few weeks left and Chewy saying in the press that we're probably looking at, uh, quote, five or six more. Uh, I think that was before Mumba signed, so you know, four or five more maybe now. Um, but it's, it, it is a potential thing. And I, and I think from that, um, you know, I certainly think whilst perhaps on paper, uh, or on football manager or something, you know, Joe Edwards wouldn't be an automatic pick um, in the team. Neither would perhaps someone like Matt Butcher. Uh, I think they will have key roles to play in the team um, this season because, you know, if you put 11, you know, capable technicians or runners out in a team, you know, you you're, you are losing that um, kind of leadership and, um, you know, and, and kind of um, assertiveness on the pitch. Um, so, yeah. Still, you know, these some of these four or five signings that we make uh, before the end of the preseason, if we do make them, um, might bring some more experience anyway. Um, but at the moment, yeah, whilst our squad does look a little bit uh, on the younger side, a that's not a bad thing, and b I think you know some of those players, Edwards and Butcher, um, can can continue to you know um, provide a really good really good role in the team. Yeah, my Paul Sam. I was going to say quickly, if you've got to forget that Dan Scar's not really a, a, a young man anymore. Is he? He's got quite a lot of a lot of games, a lot of minutes under his yeah, belt. Yeah. I think he's what, 20, 28 now. And of course, a lot of the younger players, 
I, I think you know if any, anyone watching watching him play will agree that there's no way Adam Randall's anything but assertive and communicative on the pitch, even though he's only 22. Cooper's always a very vocal goalkeeper when he plays. Um, um, don't know about Hazard. Maybe he will be as well. Um, uh, but yeah, there's 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 a lot of players who are who who are still vocal and, and leaders, even though they're not necessarily advanced in years. And that's not to say that. Edwards and Butcher don't have a role to play, but I think if it was the case, we wanted to rotate them out and we wanted to play. Um, um, oh goodness me, what's his KKH? I've forgotten his actual. I, I don't forgot his actual name. I know it's KKH Kessler. Kessler, what's the what's the H stand for? No, I'll get there. Him, the Villa lad, Kessler Hayden. Yeah, I knew it was Kessler something. Um, <laughs> if ever we did want to play Kessler Hayden for a bit, I feel that we could do that without um, without necessarily compromising leadership and of course we don't know of, of the four or five and maybe even more than that we're yet to sign how good leaders they're going to be so I, I think lack of leadership isn't a big concern for me I think maybe slightly more of a concern for me is, is lack of depth um, but that's kind of what I've alluded to already and hopefully the players coming in will fix that. That that would be great if the question was about leadership and not championship experience but um, yeah sure. Well uh, I think one ties into the other though that doesn't help very much. But... You say so you say so uh, moving on to Kane Kessler Hayden, and I'm glad I wrote it down because I kept forgetting what his last name was as well. And um, he obviously joined on a season-long loan from Aston Villa, and he appears to be very highly rated at Villa Park, especially according to James, who we had on the A from the A V F C, a faithful podcast, um, on our bonus pod. There was calls for him to be in and around the first team under Gerard. Uh, John, how excited are you by his arrival? Same same question about Julio, but about Kane. Yeah, it was um, one where I have to admit I was a little uh, underwhelmed maybe when it was announced. And I think with him, it was, again, we were all kind of, you know, on the on tenterhooks when, when Argyle tweet incoming on their page. I think that was when we were expecting Lewis Gibson to come in based on all of the, the rumours. And obviously he did follow a couple of days later. So I was pretty sure the next tweet on the on the page was going to be announcing Gibson. And then, and then it was Kessler Hayden. And again, one I'd heard of, but had to sort of look up and I sort of feel like on paper, maybe a little bit of an underwhelming signing for a side going into the championship. I certainly think would have been a very good signing. Look, looked a very good signing last summer. Um, but, but someone who, you know, was in a good MK Johns team, but in League One and in the championship with Huddersfield, but in a, in a quite a poor Huddersfield team. And then as far as I'm aware, sort of, fell out of favour when, when Neil Warnock came in, although sort of subsequently heard that was due to Warnock not really liking, you know, flair, nominal defenders. Apparently he was sent back before Warnock came in. So Oh, right, OK. So, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't entirely sure what his trajectory, trajectory there was. I just knew he played for Huddersfield at the part of the season where they were, they were very poor. Um, but actually, our uh, dear friends at, um, I was reading earlier, our dear friends at Not The Top 20 sent out a, uh, a newsletter where they were talking about their favourite EFL signings of the summer so far. Um, and, and our good friend George Ellick actually pointed out Kessler Hayden as being one of his favourite signings of the summer so far. And the point he made, which I think is actually a good one, was to say um, that, actually, you know, it, it's actually not always the worst thing to get a player off the back of a, a quote-unquote bad loan. And he pointed out that we did that with Mumba last summer. You know, Mumba came in having been on loan at Peterborough where by all accounts, he wasn't really good enough in the championship, kind of kind of spotted as they went down. Um, perhaps put his stock down a little bit to the point where he didn't get another championship loan. And 
and obviously he came in and, and the rest with us was was history. And I think he was like was making the same point that the Kessler Hayden, you know, is someone who's got a lot of pedigree and a lot of quality, but coming in off the back of a loan where perhaps for reasons that were not entirely his fault, it, you know, it was at a club where things weren't weren't going so well. So yeah, I think I think I think you know he made some good points there. Um, I think once again, you know, primarily not not someone I've seen a ton of. Um, and so I'm obviously very happy to kind of wait and see with him and uh, yeah, would love him to kind of kick on and be a really great player for us. And, and yeah, I think having, having done a bit more research into him, he seems like he's got the attributes to, to do that. So, so yeah, maybe if I was feeling a little underwhelmed just on, on paper, looking at his experience when we signed him, as someone who I've come to feel a little bit better about in, in time over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It, it appears to me that he was brought in to replace what we'd lost in Mumba and the fact that he's better going forward than defensively, but Time will tell. Time will tell. I'm excited by him too. Uh, behind yeah. those, just just really, that is an interesting one, isn't it? And I think that's one of a number of indicators that suggest to me that this Mumba deal really came together quite late. Um, I don't know how long they've been in talks, but there was sort of. I mean, obviously, you know, Mumba to, to quote to, to coin a Sam Downism waved waved goodbye very clearly at the end of last season. Um, you know, both both in in the flesh and on social media. Um, I think there was a comment from Jusnip a few weeks ago saying, you know, we've inquired after the loan signings and, and some of them we've been told maybe there's a, a possibility of them coming back permanently, but others we've been told absolutely not. Um, and I took that to mean Mumba personally. Norwich put out some videos of him coming back. Their fans seem very excited by him. Um, and yeah, and, and so, you know, us signing Kesler Hayden would maybe kind of, you know, as, as one of our earlier transfers in the window would, would fit into that sort of assessment that, that maybe we thought Mumba wasn't coming back. You know, even the people at the club, this wasn't some kind of long-standing, well, I'm sure there was a long-standing hope that Mumba would return, but but really no expectation. Um, so, yeah, it will be interesting, you know, if, if that is the case, um, to see if, if they can both be accommodated and if so, how. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, not the worst thing to have two front-footed attacking wing-backs, at least in Mumba's case, who are also versatile and can play in other, other positions come into the squad. So we'll have to see how that goes, I guess. Most probably uh, we're told that Nigel Lonvike wasn't coming back after he um, he's blocked us on Twitter. I don't know why. I don't know what we've said, Nigel, but very sorry about that. Um, anyway, behind those new defensive additions will sit uh, Connor Hazard after signing for an undisclosed fee, but widely rumoured to be around the 150k mark. He surely won't have come here to be third choice, and I can't imagine we'd have paid for a third choice either. So, Joe, what is the plan for Connor Hazard? Please, please answer question with reference to Callum Burton. <laughs> um, I I don't know. Is the answer to that? Um, I don't know. I mean, from hopefully September time, Michael Cooper will be in the number one position and then um it's every man for himself for that place on the bench i would imagine um well we, I, do, we I do have don't know places on the bench so we might put two we people do. on there um that. we do it it came out of the blue it wasn't something i expected to happen this summer um and my yeah i, I, I honestly don't know i'm not going to waffle on trying to generate an answer for you i don't know what the situation is what the future holds for the three of them but um what i do know is connor hazard is bloody huge like he's blood he's a bloody tall lad and um he'd give you a whiplash if he suddenly approached you quickly 
Yeah, he played today um, against Forest Green, right? Yeah, he and played Tuesday played. night as well. He played the first half at Playmore Tuesday. Uh, made a couple of smart saves and, um, yeah, he's tall. Yeah, him and Burton did 60 and 30 today. Had our bad started and Burton came on. I sent, a, I, sent a message to, I sent a message to a friend of mine who's a Dundee fan. I believe he was on loan there previously at one point asking for a scouting report on Connor Hazard and he just replied, he is a very big man. So this seems to be a shared takeaway on both sides of the border. I do wonder in this question for the group, if <clears throat> similarly kind of reading between the lines a little bit, if this is very clear evidence that Cooper is going to be on the way out in the not too distant future, both both us paying money for a goalkeeper with, you know, someone who has openly said, I'm not coming here to sit on the bench. And, you know, it's my time in my career where I need to be playing football after years being kind of perpetually loaned out by, by Celtic and being, I think, fourth choice in the pecking order there by the end. But also us, obviously, you know, splashing cash at levels that have not recently been seen at home park. Just sort of wonder if that is an indication that, you know, they very, very much expect Cooper to be moving on. I'd, 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 say, two th- I'd say two things to that. Firstly, in, that, in the context of having a reported to be in the region of like a 12 million budget, um, 150k, the fee is... is Kind of neither, neither really here nor there in that. So it's, 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 to be clear, I meant the money we spent on Mumba and Whitaker, not the money we spent on on Hazard. Oh right, okay, I misunderstood that point. Fair enough, but okay, sure. But, it, but I, what I would still broadly say is that, um, we, we, whilst I, I think it's entirely reasonable we would spend a six-figure fee on a second choice now that we're in the championship, I don't think we'd spend a six-figure fee on on a third choice. So I think he is coming in with the with the plan being that. Unless he had a really, really awful pre-season that he would start the season probably. And then when Cooper came back in, he would probably then go to number two slash cupkeeper um, with Burton probably being third choice uh, or, or moving on. Um, but I, I think whether that means Cooper's then going to be off, I don't... I mean, I don't think it changes the picture because I think most of us probably expected that he is going to be sold next summer anyway because, let's be honest... He probably probably would have been sold this summer if not for his injury. I think. Um, I think long term. You know, I'm I'm not quite as hot on his future trajectory as some Argyle fans are. Some Argyle fans saying he's a future England number one, which I think is a little bit excessive. But I think he's, he he will probably not be a lifetimer at Argyle. He probably will go to Pakistan at some point. Um, so I think that was probably going to happen next summer anyway. We extended his contract by a year because of his injury. That's kind of suited all parties. It allows him to, to get back fit. And if we don't sell him next summer, he's probably going to go on a free in the summer of 2025, which I think is, is not what we want to happen with our model of selling and reinvesting. So I think he is probably going to go next summer. But I think I think Hazard signing, it just kind of says what we already know, which is that I, I think... He, he is he is surely going to go to Pasco to do at some point, and we as a club are not going to let that happen on the free. And so that all kind all kind of points to a summer twenty twenty four departure, unless one of two things happen. Unless Cooper has a real wobble in form to the point where clubs aren't going to bid the amount we want for him, or unless we have such an incredibly good season that we're in the top half of the championship, pushing on the playoffs. In which case, we might time down a bit more. And Joe, just quickly, how do you feel about the prospects of Callum Burton starting the season as number two? Such a wind-up, but... Well, no, well no, no, number two to Hazard, number three to, to Hazard and Cooper. When Cooper comes back, given your um, extremely strong feelings about him on this podcast 
like uh, within the last six months? Um, I don't see why I would automatically jump to a conclusion that Connor Hazard's going to start in goal against Huddersfield. That's that's my retort to that remark. Um, I wouldn't necessarily rule out Callum Burton starting in goal on the first day of the season yet, and that would not bother me in the slightest. Well, that ruins my question about any doubts of uh, Michael Cooper being off. Uh, anyway, moving back to a slight chronological order, uh, this summer, the summer also saw Adam Randall sign a contract extension until 2026. I assume you're all as delighted as I am to secure such a key asset. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do, we look, do we now look to build the squad around him? Potentially, yeah. Um, if, well, just showing by, it was another one kind of like a few few players like Niall Ennis, for example, who just hit, hit form so um, crucially in those latter stages of last season. Um you know the cynic, cynic, and you could say, "Oh, yeah, putting themselves in the shop window." I'm sure that wasn't the case for Randall or even Ennis. You know, maybe Blackburn were interested before, um, but when Randall came back into the side for those last weeks of last season, it really kind of pushed us on a bit. Um, not to say that Houghton, Butcher, and Matete were doing a bad job there in in the kind of double pivot, um, but Randall just just kind of brought that level up. Um, his performances were consistently excellent really just all round um you know defensively um in you know in deeper areas in the press on the ball just a, a really really good player um hopefully he'll be able to make the step up i mean you can never be 100% sure as i've been saying on various kind of various things since we got promoted um that you know the last time we got promoted to this level, I'm sure a lot of the discussion would have been about, you know, Graham Coughlin, David Frio, Mickey Evans. They're going to be our key players to, you know, build a team around. Um, and within within a year, Coughlin and Frio were off. Um, hadn't really cut it at this level for whatever reason. So there's always that in the back of our mind. But I would say with pretty <laughs> with a pretty confident uh, voice that I think Randall will will make the step up. Yeah, I got some pelters on Twitter for comparing him to Paul Watson, Paul Watson, but not in a. I didn't mean it in a stylistic way. I meant in the fact that he's just going to stay here forever and be a club <laughs> legend. But um, surprising how many of our fan base don't like Paul Watson. Let's put it that way. To become a self-sufficient club, how vital is it that we nail down our key assets and our youth prospects? Well, I think it's it's important. Obviously, I do also think that you know Randall signing a. A multi-year deal doesn't preclude him leaving. Um, you know, if he makes the step up to such an extent that he becomes kind of in the same Michael Cooper conversation, um, you know, I think I think all right. Sam Sam can Sam's more in the know than I am, but I, I did hear him linked with a couple of sizably bigger clubs than us earlier in the the transfer window when we had yet to to nail down his signature that to that new contract here. Um, clubs in the same division as us, um, but but you know, big big clubs nonetheless. Um, I think Southampton and, and Norwich maybe were in the conversation, although again, those are those are just rumours that I heard, so I don't know if there was any veracity to them. But um, you know, I think it's important that to become self-sustaining that we don't lose those players for less than their worth because we are only tying them down to short-term contracts. So I like the ambition of, of signing him for another few years. Um, obviously, you know, we extended Cooper's contract. Mumba and Whitaker have both come in on very long-term deals as well. Um, 
but I don't necessarily think it's about keeping them here at, at all costs. You know, I think it's about making sure that if those players do really excel for us in the championship and, and there are big bids that come in for them, that's maybe something we can consider, but it's not where we're feeling in a situation where we've got, you know, a sort of financial gun to our head where we, where we have to accept offers below what we otherwise might. Um, and, and again, this isn't to say that we should look to become a selling club. I think it's more just a statement of, of, of reality of the financial position that we are in compared to the other clubs in our league. Um, but, I, but I think what has been really good about the sort of Schumacher era and, and to an extent, the low era before that as well is it, we've not been a club that's been reliant on on one or two players. You know, we haven't actually had to build the team or the squad around players to the extent where if they're injured or suspended or, you know, if they if they possibly leave, um, that, the, you know, that that kind of rips the heart and soul out of the team and we lose all structure. Um, I, I, you know, so so in that sense, I'm tempted to answer no to your question, should we build the team around Randall? Just because I'm not really sure we should build the team around anyone. Um, but yeah, but I do think part of becoming a self-sustaining club is to is to be nimble and to make sure you know that we we are flexible in terms of replacing players who may be ruled out for whatever reason and, and don't come to rely on kind of one or two star names, but also where we have players who have that potential who are very young in particular that we nail them down to contracts where you know if, if bigger clubs one day come a calling we can we can get you know the money they're worth and then use that to reinvest sensibly and, and continue to grow. I think that's probably how I how I would see it um, rather than bandying around talk of lifelong club legends and building teams around players. Uh, but I, but I, I completely agree if the question is, is Randall going to be really important for us this season? I, I obviously completely agree with that. I think he'll be very important and I think is, is much better placed than a David Frio, for example, to make the step up just based on his, his age and his particular attributes. Cool. We'll, we'll call it a break there. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Before pre-season began and the media team had time to finish their announcement video, Argyle's home kit was flooded all over social media. So I'm just going to jump straight to a Twitter question. Magic Mayer, who I assume isn't their real name, um, asked, what are your thoughts on every announcement being leaked, Sam? That's a very Joe question, but I'm, I'm going to ask Sam, just give him an eye off. I'll be honest, I don't have a great deal of sympathy about the kits, if I'm bluntly honest, just because of how late they left it to announce them. The home kit was like well into July, and the away kit was about a fortnight before the season started. I mean, regarding the players, I, 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 I get why that might cause a little bit more annoyance in the sense that clubs would like to do their business um, privately. They don't want to kind of alert other clubs to what's going on because that intelligence of, you know, who's going where, who's got what to spend, and, and that kind of thing can have a knock-on effect on other stuff and can maybe, you know, have a bit of a competitive disadvantage. So I, I kind of get that, but, like, 
on the other hand, I, I do feel it, it is the age we're in. It's not just Argyle. It's not just this league. Look, look at um, you know, Fabrizio Romano. He, he he tweets almost every top level transfer quite a while before it ever actually happened. So, look, I think I think it's just all part and parcel of the modern game, modern day game. Clubs aren't going to like it within the culture of phones and you know everybody having access to the internet at the click of a button. It's an inevitability. It's not like the old days of, of you know. Even the last time we were in the championship, yes, of course, there was the internet, but there wasn't so much of a smartphone culture. Not everybody would have such easy access to the internet. Uh, and Twitter hadn't really taken off. So, yeah, it, it happens. It's going to happen. It will continue to happen. It's my take on it. Thoughts on the, thoughts on the home kit? It's our first, Love it. first ever home kit to, to never feature any white. Um, I get why people aren't happy with that, because white is, is obviously our secondary colour, but... I really love it. I, I do. I, I I think the gold trim looks so much better in person than it did from from the mock-ups. And um, I, I, yeah, I, I I kind of feel it's going to sound a bit down. I thought it's a kit that's designed to be worn. I think it looks better on people rather than just hanging on a shelf because I think with that the kind of the, the lighting effect that we use for a lot of the pictures just made it look more dark. But when you see it in person, it looks more like a like a conventional argyle green rather than like a really dark you know sluggish green. So. I'm a big, big fan of it, and I will most likely be getting it at some point. The two two questions to counter that one, I feel like John is about to butt in with is is the first one is do we need a podcast name change? Uh, the second one is when you say it's it's better when it's worn. Do you mean by pro athletes that have really good bodies, or do you mean men like me that are a bit tubby? <laughs> what what I meant by that wasn't as such in the sense of like looking good on people in that respect. I, I mean I mean more in the sense that the color palette looks more look, looks better when it's if, you know when people are going kind to of walking about in, in everyday life wearing it. Like when I see people walking about as they're wearing it, or you know, um, or or going going to games wearing it. Not that I've actually been been to a game yet um, since it's come out, but I think I think it, it just looks less dark and murky in real life in real time than it did in the. In, in, in maybe the mock-ups there at first didn't look too great. But yes, naturally, it's going to look better on a pro athlete than, than either you or me, Aaron. There's, there's no disrespect to either of us. But yeah, yeah that's, that's just the way it goes. Thoughts on the... We just want to talk about the away kit whilst we're here as well. I, I, I'm aware this is an audio podcast, not a visual one, but that is sensational. That is, that's an incredible kit, that away kit. Really nice. Sam did such a good job describing the last one. I don't think anyone actually needs to... Look at a picture of it. He's sounding like that bloke who's been going viral on Twitter recently doing sartorial threads. The I can't remember the guy's name. You don't see tailoring like this anymore, even on the super rich, I think was the meme that was was going around after he sincerely tweeted that about the King of Spain at the final of Wimbledon. I feel like Joe's a bit bored of the old, of the old kit chat. So let's move on to uh, pre-season, which began with a 1-0 win over Hart. Freddie Asaka getting the winner. Are we hoping to see more of Freddie over the course of the season, or are we expecting him to maybe grab a loan away if possible, Joe? I think he will follow, not necessarily follow Will Jenkins Davis, but I think he will be one of a couple that will end up perhaps in the same division as Will Jenkins Davis, given there are six Southwest clubs in the Vanarama National South this year. Um, And as we mentioned the other day to Gab Aaron, it would have been lovely if one of Yeovil or Torquay could have stayed in the National League because that would have really helped with a couple of their developments. But look, there's six six Southwest clubs all playing in the same league. Um, from I've 
what I watched Torquay play a couple of times when they were last in that division, and it, it's a competitive league. Um, it's semi-professional for the majority of the clubs, I think. Um, and you know, there there'll be you know when you go up against Torquay United and Yeovil Town at that level, you'll be wanting to take a scout. Um, so it'll be competitive for them. Um, I yeah, I think Asaka will go out on loan. I think um, Oscar Halls may have to go out on loan, particularly if Touchwood, um, Gillespie, and Galloway return to fitness. Um, the one who is doing very well, and um, I might touch on him later if you're going to talk about the other games, Aaron. Um, I might save that actually for later. Um, but yeah, Saka, look, he, he he scored a lovely goal, didn't he? he cut in from the side, um, went carried the ball past a few defenders and then cut, put it nicely into the bottom corner. And that's been a bit of a trademark of his in the other games that he's played in pre-season. He likes to take the ball wide. He likes to drag defenders out wide, but then he likes to use his pace um, and to get in behind, to get into the side of them and to get more central. He did something very similar this afternoon against Forest Green, and Michael Cooper was very complimentary of him on co-commentary um, with his his technical ability as a footballer. And he he really does look like I I made this um, the point of saying when I saw him against Parkway. You know, he looked a part of the team. You wouldn't have said if you were turning up that he was a a young apprentice within the group. You'd have you'd have thought he was he was part of the part of the squad so um that can only be a positive but i do think for his development this year with no checker trade trophy games or anything thank god uh, sorry papa john's trophy games um to play in um he will have to go out and get some game time somewhere and i just hope sorry, it's at man. a better level than parkway i'd interject on one thing with that joe i absolutely agree with all of your assessment of his ability i think he's a, a real talent and i'm very excited he, he is still eligible to play under 18, he could probably get his game time there. He wouldn't necessarily have to go out on loan. I think this, in a, in a way, this makes it even more exciting that he's so good. He is still only 16. I, 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 I don't thought, yeah, I don't see I thought what, this point I don't we were talking about. I don't see what he'd benefit from another year playing youth football now, though. I think I didn't realize he was only 16 still. I thought he was. Two years older than that, to be honest. So that, that well, well, this hard. is it. I mean, the fact the fact he is this good at sixteen. Well, I double checked his age just to make sure I was right in that. Whilst well, Joe was talking first, and he's actually got having his seventeenth birthday next week. And you cannot um, legally have a professional contract until your seventeenth birthday. Now we've obviously got it all all lined up there, but he as yet he's not even a professional footballer, and he yeah, and he's that good. He can't even go on loan, can he? He can what is it between well, seventeen. Well, like and day, he's seventeen, he's 17 month, next right? week. Yeah. No, between seventeen, between seventeen, you're treated. When you're seventeen, you're treated as a full pro. So, so, so after his birthday next week, he, he could go out on a season-long loan. But it, it's just whether we would do that or whether we would have him in the under 18s And I can see Joe's point, but I also wonder at that level whether it's so physical and so full of big cloggers, he, he would just wouldn't get that much time in the ball. And he might find it better to to play under eighteen. I could see both sides of it. I really can. And I guess the plus side of under 18s is that maybe we could at least, you know. On, on midweek so the 18s aren't playing, we could have him in the match day squad here and there, maybe even bring him on in games just to give him a little taste of first-team action. I can see pros and cons of either, but I would incline to keeping him around, giving him 18, regular 18s football and maybe the odd bit of game time, depending how he goes. 
I suppose as well, we, we touched on it earlier, but with nine subs now, you know, we, we're going to need at least five or six more in the door to fill those. So until then as well, the first few months of the season, or up until the end of August, sorry, you know, you might get minutes from the bench there as well, I suppose. But anyway, on, on to the Parkway game. I don't know. I don't know who went. I know you went, Joe. Uh, but I have a question for you in a minute, Joe. Um, and I know John didn't go. I'll just ask it anyway. I'll ask it to Sam. Uh, the Parkway game. I got obviously winning, running out two 0 winners uh, with Ben Wayne and Ryan Hardy both sticking it, sticking it in the onion bag. <laughs> I didn't manage to make it, but several on Twitter suggesting that we have a change of shape. Yeah, we've played four four three three slash four two three one in in every game so far. So that's that's Hearts, Parkway, um, Blackpool and and today against Forest Green uh, and, and Torquay as well. Um I think it, it's one of those where it's been what even though I've not even though the Forest Green was the first one I've seen, it's been widely reported as as four at the back. So we've not played three at the back yet all season. Um very interesting change. It's a very brave man to change the formation which is one hundred and one points, but he was a brave man to change the formation that had a very successful 80-point season the year before as well. So we know Schumacher's never going to be one who just stagnates and goes backwards to you know, fear of standing still. He's always going to be looking at the next adaptation, the next tweak, if you like, to to continue to advance. And I think that's partly what makes him such an excellent manager. So we'll be interested to see if we, if we have it the whole season. I dare say we probably will still play some games of free at the back. Certainly now we've re-signed, obviously, Bali Mumba. Um and I think probably Kessler Hayden, and now I've remembered his name, he probably suits three at the back more as well. So we have players who are suited to three at the back, and maybe we have some who are a little bit more suited to to to, to a four. I think maybe Saxon Early's probably more suited to a back four. Um, um, and, and I think, you know, in, in, if you're in a four, two, three, one, then um, Whitaker right, and if we get one more in, maybe rumours of Finn as those three behind the striker would just be an absolutely electric trio to have. Um, Whitaker, Callum Wright, and Finnazaz. So, um, and Mikael Miller even has had a good preseason. So, don't rule him out entirely. So, uh, I think it could be it could be four at the back. It could be three at the back. But it's it's really good to have an option of four at the back. John, you touched on it earlier, mate. When you when you said about um, that was a random mate. Didn't mean to call you mates, but I suppose we are friends. You touched on it earlier when you said about bringing in uh, Kane Kessa Hayden and, and, and maybe not having the the plan in place to to. Re- bring back Mumba, do you think that maybe the switching formation might be due to losing certain key members of the squad, seeing what we've got and then it surprisingly working well or do, or do you think that just he just thinks that five at the back just won't work in the championship? Yeah, I don't know. Um, and I, I'm, not, I'm not in his head and obviously he's a fabulous tactician so I don't want to second guess um, his thought processes on this. I mean, obviously what personnel you have um, will dictate the style and, and, and type and, and, and you know, formation of football that you're able to play. Equally, though, if you have a very rigid formation in mind or you think, you know, that formation worked really well for us last year and I'm just going to stick rather than twist, surely with, with knowing that you're going to have a ton of recruitment ahead of you in the window still, you go out and you look for the players that can play that system, right? I mean, he brought in Kesler Hayden quite possibly in analysis as a mumber replacement and yet he still you know went with the new formation in in the friend it could be that he's just kind of trying out that formation in the friendlies and, and you know doesn't feel we need to try out the formation from that we, we predominantly played last season as much because it's largely the same group in there and they're used to it um 
or I guess I guess you know if I was if I was a betting man I would probably have to say that it's to do with solidity probably um by getting more bodies into the midfield than we had at times last season um and just becoming a little bit harder to to play through um and and yeah and I think if it were me that would be that would be kind of what I'd be looking at going into this season um this is sort of a related point and I'd be interested to hear what other people think about this but you know, trying to take lessons out of last season into this season is actually a little bit difficult because in the first half of the season, we were all conquering against really good footballing sides in League One, sides that, you know, certainly last season, I think, would have, a number of them, not just the three that went up, would have survived in the championship pretty comfortably. And and actually, in the first half of last season, looked pretty, um, you know, scrappy and flaky against um, teams who were down there towards the foot of the league. Obviously, you know, we had some injury problems which didn't help with that when we when we played those kinds of sides but um but you know i think the point still stands you know struggling to, to get points against the likes of burton and, and paul bale and cambridge in sort of late november early december in the second half of the season it felt to me like well maybe not all of the second half of the seasons we still had a good draw at Ipswich wednesday i thought we went there and we were unlucky to lose in the end but um you know we did get cut apart by bolton in the in the final of the competition that shall not be named we got cut apart by barnsley pretty much in the second half but oh well but then we were very consistent against teams towards the bottom end of the league so it becomes one where i've been sort of thinking about how is that going to translate into a higher level and it sort of feels to me if the team from the first half of last season turns up we'll do well and if the team from the second half of last season turns up i worry that we're going to get cut apart every week just by by teams that just simply have that bit more quality um so, so yeah, that's a long-winded way of saying that actually having you know looked at the second half of last season, that being our kind of most recent football experience, if I was Schumacher, I probably would be looking at changing the formation just to make sure that, number one, we are really solid defensively. Now, that's not to say that we're going to become a very boring negative team. Schumacher has very clearly said that we're going to continue to go out there and attack teams, and if we lose games based on that, so be it. Um, but also, you know, we have to be a bit pragmatic. And I think actually Shuey was a bit more pragmatic towards the back end of last season. I think after that Barnsley pummeling, he said, you know, we're going to go away and we're going to set up a bit differently. And after that, we won every single game away from home in, in the league. So, you know, I think, I think probably I'd say the adaptation is more to do with, with that desire for extra solidity in the league with better teams in it. Um, that, that, you know, where, where if you make mistakes and leave yourself open defensively, you're on average going to get punished more often um, than it is sort of an adaptation to, particular personnel uh when when actually in the end you know the personnel currently is looking quite similar to our season but yeah i'd be interested to hear what others sort of think about that that general take i would maybe say one thing um and i don't disagree with it i think it makes a fair point i'd say one thing to, to mitigate it slightly is that it the way it turned out the vast majority of our games against the, the, the big um the big fish in the league obviously outside ourselves of course it's which Sheffield wednesday barnsley bolton uh, Peterborough, the home games were all in the first half of the season. So I think when you're looking at that first half of the season, second half of the season dichotomy, um, maybe it actually that's a bit of a a bit of a mirage. It's more of a home away dichotomy that we just were really good against those teams in the home games and, and not so great in the away games. And the other one that's maybe more supporting evidence for that is Derby. Now I know we did beat them away, but but in in the second half of the season, whereby you said we struggled a bit more against the, the better teams. We played Derby when they were on their really hot run of form, looking like they might come into automatic contention. And, and obviously, they went on a dreadful run after that. But we, we played them. They were very good on the night. And we were just electric in the second half and we beat them. So I think even in the second half of the season, the home games against bigger teams like that were, were fine. Obviously, there was only one of them. Um, it was the away games against against the bigger and better teams that were 
were a problem. And I think it's just the fact that we, that we apart from the first Derby game, and that was when they were still very much, you know, coming together as a squad, in the first half of the season, we didn't have any big away games. I think it's to an extent a quirk of how the fixture this turned out, if I'm honest. But I can see your point. Yeah, may, maybe. I can see where you're coming from. I, I guess for me, it's the way, it's the manner in which we got carved apart in some of those games. For me, it went beyond the home and away thing. You know, the, the Peterborough Barnsley Bolton trio of games are the ones that I'm thinking about the Bolton game and the Cup again, to be clear. And maybe the Barnsley one, you know, I actually, I think I came on this podcast after that and said I didn't think we played, you know, so badly and maybe didn't deserve to lose 3 0. So maybe I'm, I'm sort of remembering that in a bit harsh uh, a light than I, than I, um, looked at it at the time, but that that didn't necessarily feel like bad performances because we were away from home per se. They just felt like performances where we were very open compared to earlier in the season and got punished. Um, you know, I kind of like I could get losing those games one or two nil, but losing them in the manner we did for me was a little bit more concerning. I think so. Yeah, but but yeah, I think what you're saying is also a, you know a very fair point based on the available data points. I think people would probably agree that we do need to be a bit more solid next season. Yeah, that basically that is, you know, we had to dig ourselves out of, uh, from behind so many times last season as well. You know, we can't be so gung-ho the, the whole time. So um, basically just what Sam and John said. Yeah, I agree. In between the games against Hearts and Parkway, presumably while the team, while the team were in the sky on a plane bound for Belitho Park, the club announced a change to the ownership structure as Argo Green withdrew some of their shares while Simon Hallett raised his stakeholder to 87%. Uh, Joe, I think, you know, I'm going to come to you because you seem to be over this on social, so you might have a better understanding than most. Um, well, how does this affect the club long-term, if at all? Does it affect us? Do we need um, Argo Green? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all a little bit weird, isn't it? Because we had the, the buzz of when the guys first came in with the initial investment, um, if I remember rightly, it was uh, four, uh, 4 million shares, wasn't it? Which equated to 20% of the club. Um, and all through his time at the club, all of Simon Hallett's shares have equated to a £1 unit price. Um, albeit that that should probably never be taken literally. Um so if, if you do take it as just the bare figures, there was an initial investment there of that. And everything all seems to be going very well with them. And then we had the um, training ground um, talk with the purchase of goals and then the £11 million investment into Brickfields, which we, you know, the football club have made no secret, has been funded by Argyle Green. Um, through an 11 million pound investment and then there was the um, thing on social media must have been towards well just after the season ended where it looked like a load of shares were about to be allotted to Argyle Green and now it looks like it turns out that those were shares that were being relinquished by Argyle Green and given back to the football club um, which is all very weird um, we know that they've purchased Hapoel Tel Aviv. I think I've got that club right over in Israel. So we know they have an interest now in European football over there. Um, we know they obviously have significant interests back home in the States. 
which they're all very successful people at. We should also emphasize that this isn't the end of Argyle Green within the football club, but we know that there are members. We already had one member step down because he's part of the 49er Enterprise group who've taken over Leeds United with Jordan Spieth and a couple other golfers on the PGA Tour and a load of other sports people there. Um, so it's all very interesting. We, we, it'd be nice to know how many members of Argyle Green remain on the board and, and who those people are, just so we can find out what their background is. I'm sure that with the upcoming fans forum in about 10 days time before the Huddersfield game, that question may or may not be put to Uncle Simon by me in an email because I'm quite interested in it all. Um, where does it leave Argyle in the long term? Does it impact the future? I'd say it probably leaves us, well, it leaves us certainly £11 million better off um, because they funded the purchase or the development of Brickfields. Um, it reaffirms Simon Hallett's belief and commitment to Plymouth Argyle, which is something that I don't think any of us will ever be disappointed in. Um, it shows that if anything is, if there was ever going to be a bump in the road that Simon, although he said that, you know, there's no more investment he's done on that side of things, he's always going to be there to help us out if while he's the majority shareholder, which is reassuring. Um, it's, yeah, it's all just a little bit strange. I, I sort of thought everything was going well and, and then they've obviously left and um, it's all very weird. I suppose it also raises a broader point. I know this is going a little bit off topic, but it's interesting to know what a couple of the other guys think, particularly John and maybe even Dan on this, is that American investment in English football and English sport, we already have a lot of clubs in the Premier League that have American ownership models we now have Leeds, obviously with a 49ers enterprise group there's a couple other championship clubs who have american money behind it what what do you guys think about american money in english sport and in particular english football is it a good thing for the future of the game or are we losing a bit of the magic behind it all with all this plastic money coming in from new york and the stock exchange Probably very briefly, um, don't really mind where money comes from as long as the um, it, it's being used. So would you, would you yeah. be happy if we suddenly had an influx of Saudi money or Saudi money, money? Yeah, that, I suppose that's when it when it becomes you know a, a greyer area, doesn't it? And you know, well, ask yeah, you because American fans American they... money is famously clean of any ethical taint. As Sam <laughs> Down would be happy to explain to you. Uh, I'm sure if he if he'd come off mute, can we just yeah? In the serious discussion, I'm not rising to to that kind of uh, the kind of stock answer will be you know typically um, what Ed um, Reynolds and and McElhinney have been doing at Wrexham and and you know how they have not just invested a lot of their money but actually kind of embraced um, English football or or Welsh football. Um, so it, you know, if if investors are going to do that rather than just do what um, our uh, Japanese investors did back in two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, yeah, bring it on. But yeah, obviously we have to be careful because you know people can promise the world as the uh, magnificent seven did back in the day, and then it can all go pear shaped. 
I think I think the whole situation on this, Aaron, will might become clearer after the fans forum in a couple of weeks' time. Because I think this is something that might be addressed. It's, I'm certainly going to put a question to Simon Hallett in an email about it. Um, and I just wonder whether one or two others might as well, just to sort of clear up the whole situation of where Argyle Green lie now in the in the um, tapestry of the football club. I, yeah, I've listened to everything other, other people have said, and I, I think it's really interesting. And I think if you look at the, the I, I reread recently the wording of the Brickfields announcement, and it, it kind of, the wording of it, I'm not going to read you the whole thing word for it now, but it was a little bit vague. And then it said it, it, it said it would be funded largely by Argyle, without a doubt. But then, and then it sort of alluded to Argyle Green, but it didn't actually say which, clearly which investors within Argyle were funding it. And I think we all kind of, took it to mean it would be Argyle Green because that was the inference. They, they were the new owners coming in. It was, it was looking like they were putting more and more money into the club. But now, now that they've, it looks like they've, um, or not all of them, but certainly some of them have have, 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 have sold their, their shareholdings and relinquished them back back to the club. Maybe it looks like that money for Brickfield is, is now coming from, from Simon Hallett, which appears to be the case. Look, reading between the lines, let's be clear, this wasn't part of the five-year plan at all. Um, Hallett, Hallett's ownership of the club has been very structured, very clearly planned, and there was a clear arrival plan, and, and probably uh, he would want there to be a clear succession plan as well. He said everything gradually. He took in first as a minority shareholder, then he became a majority shareholder with James Brent staying as a minority, then James Brent left altogether, uh, and then gradually he's brought in more and more investment, and, and they've increased and increased their shares. And, Following that trajectory of Hallett into Brent and, and sorry Brent into Hallett and then Hallett into Argyle Green, the natural assumption would have been that the the investors behind Argyle Green would have become our majority shareholders at some point with Hallett, possibly then becoming a minority shareholder and possibly then disappearing altogether um, from from the boardroom. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not I, I don't I don't have, I'm not privy to any inside info at all on that. I could be entirely wrong, but. With the kind of trajectory, and Hallett has made comments before about when we're in the championship, he might need to keep more investment. He's openly said that. So, based on all that information, with the caveat that I don't have any inside info, based on all that information, I, I, I would think it was very clearly part of a plan for, for Argyle Green to become the majority shareholders. As to what's happened to, to really divert that plan off road, I don't know. Maybe they're not so keen on Brickfields. Maybe there's a a disagreement where they want to invest the money more into the playing side, maybe. Maybe they want to invest it more into other kinds of infrastructure as opposed to Brickfield. Youth infrastructure, maybe. I don't know. Um, I know Brickfield is, is in a sense youth infrastructure, but, you know, um, in terms of, like, the actual scouting network of it, maybe it's they want to invest more into stadium reworks. I'm, I'm rambling on. I don't really know. But ultimately, I think something, whatever that may be, has happened to to change what seems to be a fairly well-set plan. And I think it will be interesting to hear what that something is after the, the fans forum, hopefully. There's, there's only two things I want to add to this. And, and the first one is I don't want to sound like I'm criticising the, the current setup at all, which because I'm not currently. But I'm, I'm very sceptical about the whole Brickfields thing anyway. Plowing £11 million into something that we're not going to own sounds ludicrous. But, you know we have to just sort of go with the club on this because they've been right in every other decision they've made so far. Um, and the other thing is about American ownership. And I don't want to get into a big um, political debate where I'm out of my depth, but 
you know, I hope that they come in and do, like Dan said, a, a Wrexham where they embrace it rather than a, a clean sweep and they they get they pass through some EFL vote in which, you know, promotion and relegation is closed off, which, you know, so we're a long way down that road. But anyway, let's get on to um, some positive things, shall we? We can maybe have a middle ground between destroying the club and being as annoying as Reynolds et al. have been at Wrexham. Ideally, yes. Ideally. Anyway, back to uh, alcohol-related matters. Um, where were we? Um, Blackpool. That's a long way for a friendly. Not really much to add about the Blackpool game. I keep forgetting that we even played Blackpool, to be honest, but a good win. He, um, nice to see Mikel Miller's only goal in the Nargal shirt. Yeah. He we'll, said we'll Another social media leak saw Morgan Whitaker return to the club. Club record £1 million deal. Going back to my intro, who are you and what have you done with our club? Dan, we've had Swansea's pants down here, haven't we? Well, time will tell, but certainly in the short term of um, Swansea supposedly wanting two or three times that from Rangers, um, not six months ago, and now for us to get him on the the cheap amount of a million quid, uh, doubling our record transfer fee, uh, potentially so. He was a real... Um, difference maker last season perhaps a little bit of a you know he, he would kind of drift out of games occasionally but then you know when you are popping up with goals and assists that that regularly um, you can kind of forgive that when you know that that's the kind of role that you're in the team for you know those those two behind the striker um, it will be interesting to see you know the kind of discussion earlier about the formation whether he will um you know, if we do play a four-two-three-one, will he sit right behind the front man? Will he play on the right and kind of cut inside and um, open up that right-hand channel for a, for a fullback to overlap, um, or whether he might even be an option to just play up front and as a probably a you know he's not going to be a hold the ball up type, so maybe like a um, someone looking to run in behind or as a false nine. Um, but I, you know, I think he is a player, like we were saying about kind of building a team around, I think he's someone that you want. We we want him to be, you know, in his, basically playing wherever he wants to play because I think he's that talented um, that we want to get the most out of him and um, hopefully he can repay that fee. We have had some, you know, disappointments with our kind of marquee signings in previous years, so let's hope he's not another one of those. Nadir Chifchi, anyone. Um, but yeah, hopefully he can kind of, you know, produce some more magic moments like he did last season. It obviously didn't take him long uh, to mark his return after he smashed that worldie against Torquay. Um, Sam, you've already admitted you didn't have a bin. John, you didn't go. Joe, do you want to fill us in on all things Torquay? Yes, what a lovely evening on the Riviera. Um, thoroughly enjoy my visits to Torquay. Um, and this was a good game. Torquay were a lot better than they have been in recent visits there. I um, don't tend to miss this fixture, to be honest. It's always one that is circled profusely on the calendar. I thought Argyle were okay for the first half. Um, Whitaker obviously volleys in his goal, which everyone will now have seen at least 24 times on social media. Um, I'm still going to be the one person in the world who thinks it does take a deflection on the way through. 
Um, no one else seems to corroborate with my opinion, but there we go. Um, yeah, and you know, we're we're sitting okay at, at one nil. Um, but all the time Torquay were in the game and the we played Matt Butcher at left back and in the second half Mikhail Miller came on and you sort of assume that he would then go to left back and all would be right in the world, but Mikhail Miller played on the right wing. Um, and Matt Butcher continued at left back and all the way through the game, Torquay were causing a lot of problems down there, right, our left. Um, and we just didn't seem to do a great amount to contain that because we kept Butcher at left back. Um, and lo and behold, the goal comes down there, right, our left, and it's a lovely ball in and it's a header. Um, if you look at the game as a 90 minutes, Torquay deserved the draw can't argue that obviously it's pre-season so thankfully there was nothing on the line um second half Argyle were a little bit disjointed obviously it was the first game for a lot of people for some people getting 60 minutes and vice versa um Connor Hazard made a couple of good stops in the first half but I'm glad you've chosen me to talk about Torquay because I want to talk about one of the young players I wanted to talk about earlier and that is young Caleb Roberts um, who comes from the same crop as Freddie Osaka, Will Jenkins Davis, et al. Um, this kid has got plenty going for him. Um, I think he could be one of the best, better of the players of this group. Um, he's very calm and composed on the ball. Um, he, pro uh, he should have scored as well. He had a wonderful chance in the first half to score. Um, but just looked so assured in the middle of the pitch for Argyle on Tuesday night. And he's made a couple of sub appearances through preseason, um, came on today. And again, Michael Cooper, again, on co-commentary today in the Forest Green game, very complimentary of Caleb, um, who has come through the setup well and all being well will continue his development at the same pace as the likes of Jenkins Davis and Randall and Isaka and all the other players that we've got coming through at the moment. Um, I sort of might contradict what I said a little bit earlier about Isaka, but um, what you don't want Argyle to do is to rush these players' developments. Um, and thankfully, with the hierarchy that we now have in place, with Darren Way in charge of the 18s, with Obviously, Neil Jewsnip as director of football. Um, the link with Kevin Nanskaville between the first team and the academy. You don't imagine they're going to make any mistakes with how quickly they bring these players through. Um, there's very clearly a system for them. And hopefully, touch wood, all of these players will now develop at their own pace and they'll go on to be very good footballers for the, for the club. But Caleb Roberts is definitely a name um, along with all the others that we've mentioned. Um, but he was one of the standouts from Tuesday night. Um, other than that, there's not much else really to report from Torquay. There are a lot of seagulls around the, the ground, as there always is. Um, the, yellow, the Yellow Army or the Ultras or whatever they were continued to make their noise in pre-season. Um, and, yeah, Finley Krask has joined Torquay. Um, looked looked all right. Ollie Tomlinson looked all right at the back for them and they'll be more than fine in the National League South. They're probably, if I'm honest, they're probably the team to beat in that level, particularly if they keep Aaron Jarvis. Um, 
up front who should get goals for them. So, yeah, good test, actually. After what we'd had, Torquay came at us. I'm not sure we quite expected it. Um, and as what they've done to them up the road today, um, they proved they're more than capable of mixing it. So I'll let them have a 1-1 if it means they're going to go and beat Exeter 4-1. You got one on social media saying, this is the worst we've ever played in a Torquay friendly and it definitely means that we're in a terrible state as a football club and going straight back down to League One. And actually, it wasn't actually Sam who said that, unbelievably. Uh, Samian, as it sounds. Uh, but I did, see, I did see a few. I did see a few, uh, you know, talking along those lines. That, well, that was ridiculous. I mean, we only, you know, we only, for one, we were playing with somebody at left-back who, who probably never played left-back again in his life before you respect to Matt Butcher. And funnily enough, the goal came from... He played left back away at Cambridge United. Thank you very much. He played. Did he not play left centre back in the back three? I think you'll find rather no. than left back. He played left wing back. Yeah, well, it's a bit different wing back to left back in a four. He certainly not played left back in the back four for us before, and probably won't again. But then, not only that, but it was also when, when all the young kids came on. When we had anything remotely resembling our our you know team that will play significant minutes this season, we weren't losing to Torquay. So yeah, I think that was quite. Quite absurd. I mean, it could be worse. It could be Crawley getting beaten nine-one today. So, yeah, what, I, what I will say, what I will say, John, very quickly, just on that point you make, it may well have been not a game, obviously, that we won five-nil or four-nil or blew Torquay away, but I mean, we, you know, I remember back to the the one-one draw there in League Two in an actual game that where it meant something, where we were a lot worse than what we were last week. Um, so I'm more than happy to take a bit of a disappointing 1-1 performance away in pre-season. I accept that a lot of people take the result as a bare fact that a championship side have only drawn with a Vanarama National League South side. A lot of players were getting certain amounts of game time. We were trying different systems, different personnel. So I don't, it's, it, I'm not one to get hung up like that on it, to be honest. And just to be just very clear, like... I don't care. I was just relaying what I thought also thought was a comically stupid line of uh, criticism on social media. Just to add to your point, Joe, about Torquay as well, I think Jenkins Davies going there on loan, that's a stupidly good signing for that level. Um, I think yeah, he'll really rip the league up. Their fans seem pretty happy with signing Finley Crest as well. This is an outrageous sign. If only they'd kept Frank Newblay and they could have been our reserve sign for the season. But oh well, he's gone to Yeovil. Uh, despite retiring twice. I was going to say, yeah, Yeovil, Yeovil, they could be a team to beat as well. Frank Nublet at Conference South is an absolutely outrageous signing, isn't it? That's crazy. Um, as much as all this National League that. South chat is, uh, we have signed two players for a million pounds and Torquay away is taking up much more time than them. So let's move on to Bally Mumba. Does anybody feel sorry for Steve McLean? His deal lasting as a 12-year transfer record only to now be third on the list as Bally Mumba is back. Uh, Sam, I think it's time for you to uh, sing us a little song. No, although I did hear from a reasonably well-informed source a while ago that the add-ons we paid for Simon Walton actually took us to 550k, so actually he did overtake McLean in the end, is what I was told, but I don't know for sure if that's true. I don't, I don't so McLean, sorry for McLean or Walton Moore. Um, they were both pretty dreadful <laughs> signings, weren't they? Dan's favourite uh, player, Steve McLean. Uh, Nor Norwich fans are absolutely raging, I can testify. I don't know if I've mentioned on the pod before, but I do live in Norwich. Dan, to coin a phrase, as I've used it already tonight, uh, we've had their pants down, haven't we? 
<laughs> it's like deja vu. You've asked me that again. Well, and again, I'll probably say time will tell. A- another, you know, interesting one in terms of what system will play um, and and you know where he plays. But again, I think he's potentially such a good player, and obviously with the money we've spent on him, that I think we, you know, a, a big kind of decision in in how we set up will be, you know, getting the most out of Ballymumba, which possibly means um, him playing wide in a 4-2-3-1, high up the pitch, dribbling at defenders. Um, I guess the question mark there might be kind of, um, you know, being being good enough off the ball to kind of find the space to dribble at de- defenders and poss- possibly as a men product. But I potentially then, you know, as a really kind of aggressive attacking wing back, if we do go to the back three again, that might be the best way to actually actually um, get out of him. I would be a little bit cautious about playing him in a back four, which is seemed to be what um, I hadn't seen anything really followed Norwich's preseason, but it seemed to be what David Wagner's plan was for him. And perhaps not surprising then that you know he's allowed him to go for you know be signed on a permanent to, you know elsewhere because you know the things that an ordinary fullback, orthodox fullback in a four, have to do, kind of like covering covering at the far post for crosses and kind of keeping, you know, keeping fairly narrow with your, with your centre-backs isn't something, you know, that's not the position on the pitch we want Pally Mumba to be in, is it? But yeah, what a, what a brilliant, brilliant signing to make. Um, real, you know, statement of intent. We're, you know, we're not, not going stupid and I'm sure we're not spending money that we don't have, but at the same time to be able to kind of throw this type of, <laughs> this kind of cash at players this this time shows we're in a pretty healthy position and can't wait to see him dribble past a few more defenders and hopefully score a couple of cracking goals as well. I just don't understand how Norwich are so wedded to a back four that they're happy to let Max Aarons and Ballymumba go. That's just, that's absolutely ridiculous, but a million pounds for some of those screamers. Anything to add, Sam? Um, just what a brilliant player. I didn't think for a minute we'd, we'd, we'd sign him on. So I, I, at least if I did, I thought it might be like, it's the case for it very late in the window and he's not getting uh, minutes we, we might get him on a, on a year-long loan. I certainly didn't think we'd drop a million on him and, and still less so in July. Yeah, I think what John said is true to an extent that's come together late. I think n- not in not in the sense that we only started wanting him because I think we clearly have only wanted him more window but I think very much the from the vibes of what Wagner was saying and to what Mumba himself was saying the, the plan A was for him to be integrated into the Norwich first team this season. Maybe they've had a look at him. He's not had a very good pre-season um, in their shape, and they've maybe realised that isn't going to happen. And and they thought that you know they'll move him on to Argo and get a bit more out of him and, and get a well a half decent fee, but 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 it's not that good a fee because because ultimately I think what what, what John said is, is true that if, if he'd have been playing like he was as an Argo youth product, you know there'd be a lot of clubs bidding for him, and then I think he'd certainly be going for a lot more than a million pounds. So. You know, I kind of get it, and I don't get it from Norwich's point of view. I get it; he's not that suited, but I I also think that for, for, for how good he is, they've let him go very cheaply. So it's a bit of a t- it's a bit of a tough one from their point of view. And I get why the fans are annoyed, but from our point of view, I'm absolutely delighted because he's a fantastic player. And I think let's not forget, even if I know I know that it seems a bit odd that you know we're talking about him not suiting Norwich because they play a back four, and we're now potentially moving to a back four, but. Obviously, let's not forget, for one, he can play as a wide forward in a 4-2-3-1 slash 4-3-3. And for two, we're not really in Norwich's, in Norwich's fight this year. You know, even as, as a fullback, 
maybe he's not good enough as a fullback for a team looking for the playoffs or the top two, but maybe he is good enough as a fullback for a team looking to stay up. So I, I think there's so many ways we can use him, and I'm confident that whatever happens, he'll be a success. If we start using him as a winger, that makes the decision by Norwich to let him go even more baffling to me because that is their weakest error on the pitch is, is left wing and they could have just unleashed him there, but whatever, not really asked. Their lot, our game. John, how, how do you think this squad currently compares to last season's? Obviously, we've spent over £2 million, which is mad just to say that out loud. Uh, and, and we're still weaker than last season, right, or not? Do you, wh- which areas do you think we need to strengthen in? Um, so I, I, are we weaker than last season? I mean, in certain areas of the pitch, we're indisputably weaker than last season, right? I mean, we literally have two strikers compared to four and both of those strikers were at the club last season. So you just, you can't make any case that we're not weaker in that, in that forward area. But obviously, you know, we know those signings are going to come. We've still got four loan slots out of the available five to fill, um, which you have to imagine is going to happen in the coming weeks. You know, unlike some of us in this podcast group who, jumped the gun and declared pre-season a disaster with several weeks of it still to go. I imagine that what the club was doing was trying to nail down permanent signings that we really wanted. And then we can look at what the squad looks like and say, okay, where do we need to fill some gaps? You know, we now have these four loan slots available. You know, yeah, obviously there's there's work to do. But but I don't think we're like appreciably weaker, even if the squad stays as it literally is exactly right now. Um, I don't think we're like on the whole an enormous amount weaker going into the, the beginning of the season. Um, you know, I think we've signed clearly the best two loan players we had last season on permanent deals. We now own those players, which, um, you know, I think just adds a degree of strength, you know, to, to, to a situation where, as we saw in Whitaker's case in particular, you know, he was obviously recalled in January. So we don't have that hanging over us. Um, very, very strong and persistent rumours that Finazaz will also be coming back, who I would say would be the other loan player um, of the ones we had last season who I would have wanted to see come back on a, either a permanent basis or another season-long loan. Don't talk, about, about don't talk about Finn too much. I'll ask you, I'll ask you about him later. Okay. Well, um, we'll come on to him then. But, but um, and, and then, you know, look, looking defensively, I would say that Plegwazuelo is, 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 you know, pretty clearly an upgrade on, on James Wilson. Um, looking at it, uh, I think Gibson is probably an upgrade on Lon Fike, which I can say freely now because he's already blocked us on social media. Um, but but someone who I think I think is a different type of player to Lon Fike, but I think in the championship context is going to be much more solid. I'm not saying these are necessarily like for likes, but obviously you know that this is the kind of centre back um, pool. We've got in Kesler Hayden as well. We've got another goalkeeper in the squad. Um, so yeah, on the whole, I think I think obviously we're not the finished article yet, and and very clearly I think this squad. I guess, I guess the way I'd phrase it is, I think the squad is, is obviously going to be stronger than last season's squad by the end of the transfer window. I think that is very, very clear. Obviously, there are some areas we'd like to strengthen in, I've mentioned up front. Um, central, central midfield kind of concerns me a little bit in terms of strength and depth, especially if we're going to play three central midfielders. I mean, that pretty much is what we have at the moment. Um, we have Matete on loan last season, of course, who, who it looks like is not uh, even in any kind of conversation to come back. So... Yeah, obviously, you know, these, these are areas where we need to strengthen. Um, I guess what I would say is, and, and um, you know, why I'm not panicking too much about there not having been an influx of kind of grizzled, big-name, championship or former Premier League players, as maybe some fans might have liked to see, is that a team that gets 101 points in League One is more often than not going to stay up. Um, you know, that is an incredible achievement at that level. Yes, we're coming into a strong championship. 
you know, I think we're going to have a, we're going to have a discussion podcast about predictions coming up very soon. So I won't dive into where I think we're going to finish. And, and I'm also still making my mind up on that a little bit, but you know, it is going to be tough, but there, but, but the, there are other clubs down there, you know, as well, that I think we're going to be, at least be extremely competitive with, you know, without having to radically overhaul the squad from last season. Um, so, so I feel, I guess I feel pretty good about where we are with, with the caveat that it's at this particular point in time, a little hard to make a kind of, apples to apples comparison between this season and last one one final point i would make on this by the way um which i think sort of even a few weeks ago sort of textured sam's um disaster take is that if you look down as i did today the kind of transfer market website page for all of the signings and 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 departures that have been done in this league so far i think our our signings look like some of the best on paper of any club in the division that i sort of mean that relative to the level you're expecting to compete at. Obviously, you know, we haven't signed Connor Cody and Harry Winks like Leicester have for, you know, multiples of millions of pounds more than, than we've spent. Um, obviously, we're not in that conversation. So I'm not really talking about that. But, you know, I think Ipswich's window they came up with us has not been stellar. You know, they've, they've got George Hurst on a permanent, a couple of other promising players in, but we've signed more than they have. Sheffield, we've signed one player uh, in this window so far and appear to be having a, a meltdown about that, as they always are about something. Um you know, you know, you go down the list. There, there are there are clubs. There, there are very few clubs that I would say in the championship have signed well so far compared to where you know they they would you would think they need to be. I would definitely say we are one of them at the moment, um, especially after the, the Whitaker and Mumba acquisition. So, so, yeah, a long-winded way of saying there's this you know a long way to go in this transfer window. We have those loan slots available. Clearly, there are positions where we're light. No one's denying any of that, but. Even now, I think we're we're in the conversation of being comparable to last season, and that alone should probably be enough to keep us up because of just how many points we got last season. To reply to that, I, I agree a lot of it. A lot of it was semi jovially directed at me. I I do agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I'd add the caveat that we've signed better than most other clubs that agreed, but we've also needed to sign more. You know, for one, because you know yeah. we needed to add a little bit more. Yeah, and we have, but. But ultimately, I, I still think at the minute, you know, there is what, you know, obviously that disaster comment was quite flip. And, and, and even then, you know, we've signed two fantastic players since then. But um, I do still think we, we are we are a little bit behind probably where we'd like to be, because ultimately, yes, we're not, you know, significantly weaker than last season. But I do still think overall, just purely due to lack of depth, we are probably at the moment weaker than where we were last season. But for all the positive stuff that's said, we need to bring more in. Will we do so? Yes, I'm sure we will. Um, Schumacher said, five or six to four members that might not be four or five look whenever a manager says that you know that it's always more than the figure they say because there's always one or two more that come in late on loan so I think we will probably get six more total because there's four more loan slots we're always going to use our loan slots on the Schumacher and G-Snip I think we'll get four more loan slots and maybe a couple more permanents um, and I think that will probably be be the lot I would imagine and then I think at that point of time we can be in a squad Sure. Yeah, I, I I agree. Obviously, we would have liked to have had all of our business done by now. You want to get your business done as early in the window as possible. But I think you know the alternative, realistically, for a club, and I agree, we needed to bring in more than than some of those other clubs we're looking at. But for a club with our resources or, or relative lack thereof, compared to the clubs that we're now competing against, the alternative was to to bring in players we knew we could afford who would definitely come here, but who might not be up to the level. Like I think it's very clear that the decision they have made is we're going to sign players who we think can really improve this squad and we're going to be ambitious about it. Um, which is why a number of times you've seen us in, in kind of rumour, uh, you know, I think pretty solid rumours, you know, competition with the likes of Middlesbrough and Stoke for signings, you know, where we've lost out because we don't have the financial firepower rather than competing for signings from, 
from League One necessarily or, or with the kind of top clubs in League One. Now that's not to say there aren't players who you know have already and, and will make that step up for us. But um, you know, I think it's very clear that they, 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 their mindset has been let's get the right players over getting the players in quickly. And I think that in the last week we've obviously started to see that bear fruit, and, and I think it will continue to do so. We've um we've been on quite a while, so let's let's speed this up a bit. Um, unless anybody's got anything to add in the five-one win over Bristol Rovers at Harper's Park, a new venue. I, I'd like least. to add that it was against Forest Green, not against Bristol Rovers. I believe it. Yes. Oh yeah, sorry. I just put Rovers <laughs> down. I don't know why I did that. Two goals from Hardy with finishes from Callum Wright, Morgan Whitaker, and of course Bally Mumba. Anything to add there? We want. Yeah, to I've got something to add actually. Um, really completely random thing, and it's not what I thought I'd be saying about how good Mike Cooper was on, on co-commentary. I think it's good to have that insight of somebody who actually talks about, about the craft of professional football and, and maybe speaks about, you know, thinks about and, and speaks about the things that fans don't necessarily see. And I think it's good to have that genuine insight. A lot of um, ex-players go on commentary and they just sort of parrot the club line and don't really know, you know, how to get across what's in their mind too well. And I thought he it, it, it was very insightful, very interesting uh, in that regard. And I think, Unlike maybe a lot of current club employees, he, he's not afraid to say when someone's made a mistake. Like a, a couple of times, he said that somebody made the wrong decision with a pass and that kind of thing. And yeah, but it was very, very insightful. Don't get me wrong; I'd much rather have him on the pitch. But until he gets fit again, I'd, 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 I'd love to see him on um, on the New Argyle TV. Not that I'll be watching it much; because I'll be at the games. But I think he, he was very good, and thought that was worth mentioning. I, I didn't watch the game, so I was out. Uh, but I saw the highlights. Um, one thing we've not seen until today is Callum Wright and Morgan Whitaker playing in the same side and I think that is bloody exciting as a prospect is, is my comment uh, and then they, you know some nice interplay between the two of them for one of the goals today obviously both scored fantastic goals from outside the box I think that is going to be you know a, a, you know a combination of players attacking players that's going to be worth the price of admission if we can get Whitaker right Mumba Saz, I'm even going to chuck Kessler Hayden in there, in the same team behind Hardy somehow. That is outrageous. Talking of uh, Finazaz, it's rumoured that he was there. I don't know if this was a an Argyle Twitter, but anyway, uh, John, we know that you're a big fan. How much would you enjoy Finn returning? Yeah, I mean the answer's in the question, really. I, I, you know, yes, clearly we had players who came on loan last season who did better for us than Azaz over the course of the whole season, but. I think for a player who had such a long time out with such a nasty injury, he still made an unbelievable impact. And for me, I just think there's part of him that is emblematic of this new Argyle, right? It's the sort of player that we just like might not have been able to attract in the past, or if we did, wouldn't have been sort of able to allow him to play with such freedom. Because on his day, he was, for me, the best outfield player in the division, um, with with the exception of Barry Bannon. I've said that on this podcast many times. Um, that's not to say that he had always kind of you know, reached that level, particularly after coming back from injury. There were games he sort of, even before his injury, floated in and out of a little bit. But there was that spell before he got injured at Bristol Rovers where he was absolutely box office, week in, week out. Um, scored some absolutely outrageous goals, some beautiful through balls, incredible vision. Just the, the sort of player that I just personally absolutely love to watch. And so I would be delighted to get him back. Um... And again, conflicting rumours as to whether or when that's happening. You know, I think the rumours have reached such a, a density that it certainly seems to be the case that we are very interested and that there have been talks and, you know, who knows what might happen in the next few days. But 
yeah, I think he's someone who, if he can stay fit, I have no doubt that he can make the step up. And um, someone who I think is probably not going to be someone who we're paying a fee for, I wouldn't imagine. I think it probably either would be a free if he gets released from his contract at Villa or, or more likely a loan. I think he actually may have extended his Villa contract. I'm not too sure about that. So, yeah, I would... I'd love to see him back. And and I think, you know, the, the moaners on social media saying he's nowhere near good enough in response to the rumours, I just cannot comprehend what version of Vinazaz they were watching last season. The man has unreal potential. That The potential for me to be better than both Whitaker and, and Mumba if he, again, can stay fit and, and realise that. And that is obviously very high praise because I rate those two other players very, very highly. So, yeah, for me, a, a big unsung hero of last season and, and I would love, absolutely love to get him back. It feels like the right trajectory that word I can't say that uh, as well you know having a spell in league two winning league one absolutely now time now time for the championship so uh, Joe we all know how much you love the discourse around transfer rumours can you fill us in with Deli Ali's imminent arrival some coup that <laughs> Deli Ali's imminent arrival where sorry to, to put the Fargo football club um, <laughs> Joe, your delivery of that Deli Ali, your scathing delivery of that line was just fantastic. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll 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 await a serious question before I next uh, make a comment on the podcast. All right then, uh, anyone can have this one. Who are uh, who's who are the winners and the losers of preseason so far? Uh, Mikhail Miller's looking back to his best. Well, she was him, but. Um, I think Samson Early was one of the winners, uh, but then he sadly got injured, so he's going to miss the season, uh, the start of the season. So for no fault of his own, he, he, he's one, looking like one of the losers, unfortunately. But it's a shame because he was, um, he was apparently one of the real standout players, and not just against Parkway, but also against Hearts, and I think even against um, Black Blackpool as well, which are far closer to the Championship level, even if they're not quite there. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a shame for him actually. Um, Certainly, Miller Miller is looking a winner so far because he well he's kept fit, which quite frankly is a victory in itself for him. And he's um played well and and played some parts and goals. So Miller's a winner. Hard, Hardy's definitely a winner. He looks like he's in a hot streak of goals. And I know we normally say preseason doesn't really matter too much, but we know what a, what a big confidence player Ryan Hardy is. If he can take that confidence into the season, fantastic stuff. Um, I don't think there's many many losers. I don't think anybody's really not played. Well. I think it's just the injured players. So I guess you'd have to say are. Oh, have an effect lost out because they're going to miss the start of the season. So, yeah, what, what can you say? Um, still, still going to be so hard to pick the team for the Huddersfield game because it's two weeks today. There still could easily be three or four or even more coming in before then. So, you know, early was actually one I was sort of looking forward to seeing playing in a back four as a wing back. Uh, sorry, as, as a full back, I should say, because I think that having you know based on what we saw of him last season, for me, I think looks like someone who would suit that role more than the sort of dynamic Bali Mumba wing-back Tyro-type role. And he's actually someone who, who you know, despite not being a, a massively regular starter since signing in January, I was actually tipping to, to have a really important role this season. So hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully he's someone who can who can come back and come back from that injury and make the step up soon. So this, this is more of a personal question for me. Do we know where Gillespie is? Is he injured? Do we have an update on that? I've, I must have missed it. If uh, It was a groin issue that he had through last season that he's had a minor operation on. So he's a oh. couple of weeks behind. He's a couple of weeks behind the group, but all being, I think he was, I think Shuey said after Parkway last week that he's, he's back on the grass now, but he's not rejoined training. So hopefully that'll either be 
this week just gone or next week. But um, yeah, I think he's just going to miss. He might miss the first couple of games, but he's fine. Oh, nice. Uh, Dan, do we do we see any outgoings likely? There's rumour of Tyreek Wright going out on loan, but um, possibly it would. It's it's going to be difficult, I think, um, for Tyreek Wright to force his way in, especially if um, Mikel Miller can stay fit. And if Freddie Isaka does kind of integrate into the first team for the actual season, as he's kind of been threatening to do um, throughout pre-season, obviously if Miller gets injured, um, which is sadly a, a you know a, a fair possibility, and if we do loan Isaka out, which might be the best thing to do for his, for his development, um, then Tyreek Wright is closer to the first team picture. Um, I would expect. Um, yeah, I'd expect probably some of the, you know, maybe some of the youngsters to go out, you know, go out on loan. Um, but in terms of our kind of, you know, kind of core first team squad, um, probably not. No. Um, yeah. Other than other than maybe Tyreek Wright. Um, I know there was, there was some talk about, you know, I think this was kind of earlier on in the summer. Would we maybe loan Ben Wayne out? Um, I think that was kind of, yeah, that was probably before... Um, Ennis announced he was leaving, kind of thinking, yeah, we're going to go with a kind of striking options of Ennis, Hardy and one other, and then we loan Wayne out. Uh, it looks fairly set now that we'll probably keep Wayne um, as a as a kind of option behind Hardy and, and maybe one other. Um, yeah, so it's, it's probably only Tyreek Wright really at this stage that I'd be looking at and thinking maybe we look to, you know, either, either well, may, maybe move him on or, or maybe just loan him out. Nice. I'm aware that we've um, dragged this on quite a while, so it's a big pod. So I've got one last question from me and then a question each for you from Twitter. Um, I know how much you like those, Joe. Two weeks uh, two weeks' time today obviously sees us do it all again as we host Neil Warnock's Huddersfield at Home Park. Without giving away too many of your predictions ahead of next weekend's preview pod, how confident, predictions pod even, how confident are you that we are ready to survive? Very I think we'll stay up. Um, kind of for all like, for all the slight doubts I've had about um, how many I've squatted so far, I think very clearly they wouldn't have invested this kind of money in Mumbra and Whitaker if we were very, very serious about staying up. I think, you know, maybe when we went up, I thought it might be a case of like, you know, we'll go, but we won't spend anything that we'll, um, we'll just be very, very cautious. And if we stay up, great. If we go back down, you know, we've barely spent more than we were spending anyway. I think that's absolutely not been the case. We very much have said we're here to spend more. We're here to stay up because we've got a real fist to stay up. But obviously, that's not to say that there's no chance we could go down. But I think it's not like a thing of um, we're just going to enjoy the ride and, 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 and probably go back down. And if we're stuck, it's a nice bonus. That's not the mentality at all. There's a, a very clear plan, I think, to stay up and even establish ourselves in the league. And I do think that is what we will do. I'm significantly more confident than I was a week ago. Um after those two additions. My stance for, well, again, we'll get into this next week. My, my stance for the summer, just based on, it's going to contradict a little bit, I guess, what I said earlier, but based on a kind of static assessment of the squad as it stood until, you know, the most recent round of additions was that we would find it very, very hard. But obviously I knew that that was not necessarily, you know, it's always been pending recruitment and I did always expect us to recruit. And I think the the, the calibre of that recruitment in the last week indicates to me that, we've got a really, really good chance. But you know, the the other side of it is that it's going to be a very difficult league, probably much more so than last year. If we were going into last season's championship, I'd be 
extremely confident of staying up. Uh, as it is, I'm pretty confident of staying up. But you know, it, I think it's going to be a you know it's going to be a tough season. We're going to have to fight for it. But, but but like I said earlier, you know, the club that a club that gets 101 points in League One, even in a strong championship, is going to be well placed to stay up. And, and so yeah, I think I think at this moment in time, I'm I'm comfortable predicting that that we will. Moving on to the Twitter questions, then I'll go to Sam first. How surprised? Uh, sorry, this is a question from Joshua Bohey. Um, most probably butchered that pronunciation, but how surprised were you at the signings of Whitaker and Mumba? Um, Mumba, well, I kind of answered Mumba earlier very. I kind of thought it might happen late in the window, maybe on loan. Certainly didn't think it would happen for a million quid in July. Whitaker, um, a little bit less surprised. I kind of felt that one might have been on the cards. In fact, he just clearly wasn't suiting Swansea at all. Um, and he, he was liking a lot of Argyle content on social media. Um, I, I think it would. I think it would left a sour taste in the mouth that Swansea recalled him to do nothing with him in January, didn't it? So Whitaker, not too surprised. Um, Mumba, yeah, very pleasantly surprised. Sorry to go off on a tangent, but you, I, I think I put this in one of the group chats. I'm not sure which one. Are you slightly worried that Whitaker does that to us when he's ready to go? You know, he, he forced. He, well, didn't force, but you know, Derby fans aren't too happy with the way that he got his move to. Swansea, Swansea, he seemed to down tools at Swansea, is that? Um, well, I think, we, I, I don't know how it will happen at Derby, the, the dynamics of that. I think with Swansea, I think the, maybe he I'm didn't... I'm that off the, the amount of booze he got at the Pride Park as well. Yeah, when he shut them up, didn't he? As did Sam Cosgrove. But um, um, I, I think with, I don't know the dynamics of what happened at Derby. I think it's Swansea. Did he maybe conduct himself absolutely perfectly there? Possibly not, but... I think the, the the original sin, and I think even their manager at the time, Russell Martin, maybe not outright said, but heavily hinted that he wasn't very happy with their board for recalling him when he was having such a great loan, only to then not do anything with him. Um, I think the idea they were hoping for that he was going to come in all guns blazing at Swansea and they were going to sell him for even more money in in the summer, four million, five million, even obviously that just didn't work out at all. Um, so I think I think for him to have been recalled, and I think for someone who's was a bit of you know a bit of a drifter, maybe hadn't you know clearly had talent, but hadn't really settled anywhere and getting the best out of his talent, to be recalled from Argyle was a bit of a kick in the teeth for him. And I think absolutely, if he'd have really wanted to just think purely of his pocket, uh, he he could have got a better move than us to someone. I think the fact that he's driven that move to Argyle specifically. Maybe says that we're we're where he belongs in that sense. He really loves Schumacher. He said, I think the exact wording in his interview said was, "I've never had a manager like Shuey." Was the wording he used, which is just what you know you like to hear as a club. Um, so I think I think you know we, he's found where he's comfortable. And if it did get to the point whereby he played so well enough, you know, and and, and he was dragging us up the league, and then he forced to move, I, I kind of would accept that on the basis that um, on the basis that. He, he'll have done that well in the first place, and if he's doing that badly, realistically, there's probably not with the level of interest in him to force a move. So, no, I'm quite relaxed about that. John, I'll give you this one. Lewin Reed asks, other than Bally and Whitaker, which signing is ex- exciting you the most? Um, Plague was weather, which I who I've already talked about on the pod. Um, but yes, for the reasons I've already stated, I, I would just say this is going to be my final word that. Every just everything else aside, I don't know about everyone else. I've I've just been walking on sunshine this summer. You know, it's it's absolutely surreal. Um, 
having gone through so much shit over the last 10 years of supporting this football club, in addition to some good times that you have thrown in, to, to get back to, you know, where we all hopefully feel we deserve to be. To, to have a club that not only smashed the league last season in very difficult circumstances, playing such good football, you know, continues to be absolutely surreal to me. I think it, it sort of started to sink in in the time since we did the last pod. You know, sometimes I'll just be walking along and think, you know, we actually won League One with 101 points. It just doesn't feel real. And then, and then more to this question, you know, you've got you've got players like Whitaker and Mumba who could be forcing, you know, moves to to bigger clubs, probably, or, or at least staying at the club they were at and, and competing, you know, to get in the first team there, seemingly really wanting to come back. Um, that is not something that happens to this football club every day. It's not something I can even really think of much precedent for in the championship era, honestly, when while we had some really, really good players and some good servants here, it was very often a struggle to get, you know, to sort of attract people to come and live in the West country. So to see, you know, Morgan Whitaker's girlfriend on social media saying, you know, we felt so at home here and we're home now. Um, and to see, um, you know, Mumba maybe sort of slightly less publicly effusive about Plymouth than, than, than Whitaker was, but, but, you know, obviously someone who you would think would not have had any shortage of offers to go, Elsewhere, um, certainly, you know, you, you can absolutely have seen him going to, to sort of a derby or, or big league one club. Um, people are hungry to be here. Um, if if rumours are to be believed, Schumacher turned down the Swansea job, just which, while I think it, you know, I think it was never, never really in the question that he would go there. They are a bigger club than us, you know, who have been in the Premier League in in recent history. He clearly, you know, sees his future here at least for now. I just think it's it's a really emotional time to be a supporter of this football club. It feels like we're getting good things after so, so long of not having them. And even, you know, even in recent years when things have been a lot better, had some real kicks in the teeth in that time too. So I just kind of want to take a second and say, it's not, yeah, it gets to kind of to, to rewind this and frame it as an answer to the question. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about, you know, Whitaker and Mumba and Plegwiz Willow. First of many times of butchering his name this season, I'm sure. Um, players like that coming in because, it's sort of proof that we're that we're back, you know, um, and maybe even in a better place than we were the first time around in, in the championship. You know, it's it's awesome to be able to sign that caliber of player, and yeah, I just think it's you know whatever happens next season, I think it's going to be a great ride, and we're all going to enjoy it. We're back. Quote John Allsop. Question from the Sky Blue Hub, fellow Championship fans of uh, Coventry City asks. Which player signed by another championship club so far this summer do you wish Argyle had signed, Joe? Who's from a champ? Who's been signed that I wish Argyle had signed? I saw that Coventry City tonight confirmed the signing of Bobby Thomas from Burnley, who was on loan at Barnsley last year. He was a very good, um, good player. Um, oh, it's a tricky one. Um, yeah, I'll probably I'll probably just go with Bobby Thomas to be honest. I thought he caught me eye for Barnsley last year. I thought he could have done a job for us maybe. Um Alice Sims, I mean the the money involved in that transfer, although I think he's a very good player, um, for someone who's got so few consistent miles on the clock. Um, there's almost an air of a bit of Patrick Bamford about the whole transfer where there's a lot of potential there, but there's not been a whole amount of evidence to go on to warrant such a big 
Murphy first up, but good luck to him. I'm sure Coventry will have a good season. I hope they do because I like Mark Robbins as a manager. But yeah, I'd, I'd actually say uh, Bobby Thomas that Coventry have got tonight. I'd just like to add if uh, um, George Hurst signed for Ipswich on the permanent, he'd be a very good pair. We need, we need, a, we need a forward, so he would have been good. And it would be nice for him to actually finally get some experience of playing for the best team in last season's League One, seeing if he clearly hasn't up to now. So he would have been a good really? signing. But yeah, there we go. Well, I'm glad that we've left that in the past. Last but not least, uh, Argyle Chance asks, how hard will it be to add a striker or two that improves us? Uh, not impossible. Obviously, um, it won't be easy. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't see why we can't go out and, and acquire, a you know, make another smart acquisition. Uh, I don't think we necessarily need to chuck money at it and and that's not to say that you know we've we've panickingly chucked money at Mumba and Whitaker. I think they're both potentially fantastic deals um but yeah I, I I trust our recruitment team to to get in a striker that will um improve us and probably we are looking at you know someone that needs to be first choice with with Hardy and Wayne as the backups but potentially Hardy will make the step up and 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 be our first choice or there'll be a real kind of competition for places amongst the three. Um, yeah. So I, I think we've got a, a yeah, I, I trust our recruitment team to, to make a, a really shrewd acquisition. Nice. Before we go, is there anything we haven't touched on over the summer that needs to be discussed? We are nearly two hours into a recording. No, I think I'll call it, call it a day at that. It's okay by me. Well, that's a good sign then. Okay. Let's call it a day. Cheers guys. Cheers all. Cheers Aaron. And now I've just got to hope that this new software actually saves the audio file. That would be tragic if it didn't. With that brings a close to another Green and White pod brought to you by Argyle Life. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, like on Facebook and keep up to date with all things Argyle by checking out www.argyle.life. As always with all listens, old and new, we really appreciate if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. Every rating helps us beat that algorithm. See you next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.